This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Life, it seems, has a trajectory. Most of us think that it works in a pretty similar way, right? You go to school, you get an education, and then you work for like four decades or so. And then in your 60s, you settle down and retire. That all sounds pretty familiar, right? Well, our next guest says that we have to stop thinking like that, that we need to make more of our longer and healthier lives, and that we all need to stop fretting about getting older. Well, it sounds pretty good to me. Carl Honoré has written a book called Boulder, Making the Most of Our Longer Lives, and he joins us now to talk about us and our attitudes. Carl, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. What got you thinking about this topic? Well... (laughs) It's age, right? I mean, I think we all have a moment when suddenly the number starts to weigh really heavily on our shoulders. And the moment of truth came to me when I was at a ball hockey tournament and, you know, playing well, having a great time, leading my team into the semifinals. And then just by chance, I discovered that I was the oldest player at the tournament. (laughs) And something about that that, that, that news, that knowledge just hit me like a sack of bricks, you know, and I began to think, I began hearing all kinds of questions in the back of my mind, you know, should, do I belong here, right? Are people laughing at me? Am I the hockey equivalent of the 50-something guy with a 20-something girlfriend? And, it, and I began to play less well. I began to you know, play like, I guess, what I imagined an older person was. And, and that was, for me, a, a moment of epiphany after that tournament. I just thought, well, why? Why should I feel so ashamed, so guilty, so held back by that number on the birth certificate? And that was kind of the starting point for writing this, this book, because I just felt, like a lot of people do, I think, nowadays, that aging is a... It's a game of right. you know, loss, decline. It's something we feel bad about on every score. And I wanted to see if there was a, a good news story to tell. And the good news is that I found that there's a very good news story to tell about growing older nowadays. Okay, so you're saying essentially that we second-guess ourselves when it comes to our age. I think so. I think that we hear a little voice in the back of our minds, and it, it's often whispering, I'm too old for this, right? So you're thinking, well, I'm 40, I'm too old to launch a startup. I'm 50, I'm too old to learn a new language. I'm 60, I'm too old to take up kite surfing. Or I'm 70, I'm too old to fall in love again. And the truth is that that is not true, right? Obviously, people change as they grow older, and some things we lose along the way, but many other things get better and other things stay the same. And really what I'm trying to say in the book is that we need to move away from being boxed in and cubbyholed by the number on our birth certificate and try and design whatever age we are, whether we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, 70s, 80s, to design the life that works best for us rather than feeling that we have to follow some kind of script yeah. that's been handed down by, through the generations or pushed upon us by the media or by other people. Okay, so what is the good news that you found when you were doing this? Well, my view of aging was that it just it was all downhill from basically 35, right? Uh, but in fact, there are so many things that do do surprisingly get better. I mean, one thing is that you get older and you have more self-confidence, right? You, that, you have that ease in your own skin that you don't have so much in your 20s and you worry much less about what other people think. The famous agony aunt, Ann Landers, had a wonderful quote. She said that at 20, we worry about what other people think about us. At 40, we stop worrying about what other people think of us. At 60, we realize that other people are never thinking about us at all anyway, right? <laughs> and I think there's a, it, that speaks to that kind of lightness, I think, that comes upon you. And I'm now 51 myself, and I feel it. You know, I just feel less held back, less beholden to what other people think. You know, if I'm going to want to wear a, a raffish hat or, you know, change jobs or, do, you know, do, I'll just do it, right, in a way that I think that I, would, I know I would not have done so much in my 20s and 30s. And another thing that's, that really 
blew me away in terms of surprise about how things can actually get better is that we have a, a narrative in our culture that tells us that older is sad, right? It's all about kind of loneliness and sad and the miserable old cantankerous old person, right? But the truth is, if you look at the numbers, that the adult age group that reports in Canada and elsewhere around the world, the highest levels of life satisfaction and happiness is not the under 30s, right? It's, yeah. it's, people over 60, it's the people over 60, right? And yet the culture constantly bombards us with this, this idea that old equals sad, old equals miserable, old equals, you know, cranky, all that grumpy right. old person, all those stereotypes that, that box us in. And, and of course, I'm just scratching the surface. There's so many other things that can get better. People, work performance improves, productivity goes up, uh, creativity holds and gets better for a lot of people. We have often fewer relationships in later life, but they're often deeper, richer, more nourishing, they're stronger. You know, there's just so much out there to look forward to. And I, I wanted to take down this idea that the cult of youth, essentially, right. that, that younger is always better and that there's nothing to look forward to because it's just patently untrue. Now, you, you, I know you talked to a lot of people and you found a lot of people who had lived like longer, happy, healthy lives. What was the common denominator for those people? What was the secret? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that people... We, and we do hear this now. Like you can't say we don't in, in the culture. We're always being told the, the, that basic recipe, you know, exercise, eat a healthy diet, drink in moderation, don't smoke, all those obvious things. But the thing that really jumped out for me was how much attitude to aging was crucial. Because nowadays, our really big problem is not aging. It's ageism, right? It's that negative stereotype about growing older. Because they've shown very clearly that if you have a downbeat, unfavorable view of aging, then you're going to age less well, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to be more likely to develop uh, cognitive problems like maybe dementia. You're going to recover less well from illness. You're going to move more slowly, think more slowly. Uh, all the things that you essentially the, 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 the grim view of aging becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So one of the common threads I found among people who were, you know, aging well, aging on their own terms, aging boldly, to echo the title of my book, was that they had an upbeat view of aging. You know, they not a kind of Pollyanna, oh, it's all going to be a land of milk and honey. They understand, as I do, and as anyone who's done any kind of work on aging knows, that certain, some things you lose along the way. You know, your body's not going to work as well um, as yep. it did, you know, in your 60s as it did in your 20s, right? That's just <laughs> yeah. always going to be the way. Everything hurts, though. at the though. same time, they have an upbeat. They, they, they see the upbeat as well. So they see the rough, they yeah. accept the rough, embrace it, but they also take the smooth and run with it. And that's the really defining characteristic, I think, of people who are aging It's well so and hard, though. Boldly. It's so hard, Carl, to stay positive like that, though, because as you're saying, yeah, your body changes and all of a sudden things are hurting when you get up in the morning. You're like, that never used to happen. So we see the physical signs and we feel that. It must be, it's so hard for people to kind of break out of that. Oh, no, no, this is okay. I'm going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, it's, again, it's not something that you just snap your fingers and one day you wake up, you know, full of uh, sunny optimism for the future if you've been a very downbeat view of, of, of aging. Of course not. It's a process. But I think one of the things to hold on to here is that the changes, that, that the un unwelcome changes that come upon us tend to come upon us very gradually, right? You don't just wake up one morning with aches and pains. They sort of develop over time, and, and not everybody will suffer from exactly the same aches and pains. One of the things I did for the book was wear uh, what's called an aging suit, which puts 30 years on your age. And that was, to me, horrifying, right? Because it just gave you every, it was like the full English breakfast of, of bad aging. You had Ooh. everything was wrong with you and it gave you macular degeneration. You couldn't hear anything. You couldn't move. It was just, it was a nightmare. And I thought when I first wore that suit, I thought, goodness me, I'm barking up the wrong tree here. Aging really is a nightmare. But of course, the aging suit gives a false 
view of aging for one, one reason being that not everybody suffers from every ailment that comes along with aging. But secondly, you have all that time to get used to it, to adjust. You know, I let's go back to ball hockey with me, right? I don't have the strength, the speed, and the stamina I did when I was in my 20s, but I'm still loving the game. You know, I've adjusted yeah. the way I play. I maybe re- take rec- more time to recover. But I, I look forward to ball hockey as much at 51 as I did at 21, right? And that's the key. It's kind of a lot of it comes down to, to mindset, I think. Interesting. So can we do this though? Like, cause you're t- retiring in our sixties. You're saying, what do we need to do to change it? We're not just going to retire in our sixties anymore. We have to be thinking beyond that. Exactly. And I think that's a, that's a liber- it's a frightening thing in a sense because it's change, but it's also immensely liberating. We've inherited a real rigid life path. You alluded to it in your introduction, the kind of learning education in our youth, Yeah. you know, parent, parenting for many people that are working in their middle years and then this pensioned retirement or rest at the end. And that just doesn't make sense anymore. It worked in a world where people, you know, retired in the early 60s and then probably lived three or four more years and then checked out. That, you know, people retiring in their 60s now are looking at living in Canada, a good chance of living 20, 25, 30 years more. So what do we do with that? And one of the things that I'm arguing in the book, and one of the things I think I see happening more and more in the culture is that we're throwing out that rigid three-step life path and we're creating something much more fluid. So we're saying you, you don't just learn in your teens and 20s. You carry on learning throughout your life. You, know, you don't just care for people or do volunteering in your pension years. You do that throughout your life. You work throughout your life as well, but not always you know, full-time. There'll be times right. when you're going to work longer hours, times you're going to deal, dial it down. You know, later in life, especially very later in life, you're, probably, you're not going to be doing an 80-hour week, right? But you might want to do an 18-hour week, right? Or, or, you know, so I think it's, it's just perspective is what you're saying. Doing. Uh, I'm sorry. It's perspective, is what you're saying. It's like we just need we need to change how we look at these things. We do. We need a completely new lens when it comes to thinking about aging. And I'm a natural optimist, and I think that we will get there. And we're taking the first steps. But you know, we're talking about turning around a, a super tanker here. But the, the, the upside of all of this is that we are actually, I think, entering a golden age of aging. This has never been. There has never been a better time to grow older in human history than now, right? For so many reasons, better technology, better medicine. Uh, you know, there are just so many things that make growing older easier, better, more fun, and easier to do, to do boldly. And one of them, which I think we maybe don't talk about enough these days, is the, just the demographic shift, right? There are more and more older yeah. people in Canada, say, every year. And that changes things. It changes the media landscape. It changes what you see when you walk around Vancouver or Victoria. It changes what, changes what you see on social media. And that's beginning to trickle now into how we feel about aging, I think, because we're seeing more and more examples of people who aren't you know, putting on elasticated um, trousers and sitting in a, in a rocking chair or, you know, and, and they're going out there and they're taking up kite surfing in their 80s. Or, yeah. So there are these role models that are saying, you know what, aging doesn't have to be a millstone or a game of loss. It can be a whole range of things. And, and one other thing I want to just underscore before we sign off is that what we want to avoid is creating a new set of pressures on people to age in a particular way, right? Because not everybody right. can age the same way. Not everybody can be Helen Mirren, right? Or, or um, Clint Eastwood or, or George Clooney or, or Nancy Pelosi or, or David Attenborough, right? Whoever, not everybody yeah. can be that or, or would even want to be, right? I think what we need to be moving towards, and I do think we're going that way now, is, is a much more broad spectrum of opportunities for people. People can choose their own life path. If you want to grow older and that to you is going to mean just 
doing a bit of gardening later on and playing with the grandkids, then that's fine. You don't have to climb Kilimanjaro, right? That sounds like my retirement right there. Not the Kilimanjaro, (laughs) the gardening and the playing with the grandkids. Listen, Carl, thanks so much for your time on this today. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate that. That is so fascinating. That's Carl Honoré. The book is called Boulder, Making the Most of Our Longer Lives. And if his name sounds familiar to you, it's no surprise. Uh, His previous book, he's an international bestselling author. His previous book was In Praise of Slow. Remember that? The, The slow movement? Yeah.